Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, your host. I don't have a lot of things I want to take care of today, unlike last time. I just kind of wanted to get in and tell you about one of the coolest stories, I think, in the history of Scotland. Now, here's the deal. We've got all these books and movies where people are making up stories. And that's awesome, and that's an outlet for creativity, and human beings love to create. I think it's down in our DNA, in our souls. But we keep on coming up with these this, the made-up stuff, and I really don't think that we've done enough justice to the stuff that's there. There are so many stories that I have come across when I've studied just this little tiny part of the world that is Scotland. These awesome stories, and these could fill up books and movies indefinitely. And... The story that I'm going to share with you today, how somebody has not and have not has not done this so far is is defies any explanation I can think of. Now, I haven't read every single book in the world, so maybe somebody has capitalized on this and and turned this into some higher art form. But I'm going to share it with you today. So I think we're just going to jump right into it. Today's podcast is. The, the clan that we're going to focus on today, it's all about the Stuarts today. Now, the Stuarts were a really interesting clan. They came into Scotland originally with the Normans. However, they weren't, they were a little bit different than the rest of the Normans. They weren't actually Normans. They were not descended from the Scandinavian settlers that had occupied northern France and then from there, pushed down a lot of different places, not just England. These, the Stuarts, their origin lies in Brittany. They were Bretons. And if you know anything about that part of the world, this is the northwest corner of France. It's it's now part of France. It, I don't, I'm not really sure the history of Brittany and when it actually became part of France, but it's this, if you look at a map and if you look at France, up in the northwest corner, there's a peninsula that juts out into the Atlantic Ocean. That's Brittany. And that's where the Stuarts were from. Upon And like a lot of other people who came with the Normans, they had territory first in England and then ended up going up into Scotland. And last, I think in a previous podcast, I think it was the one where I was actually talking about that how the Normans and the Norse were a major ethnic group that provided us a lot of the clans that we know today. I mentioned that David I was the one who invited a lot of these people into Scotland. Now, I just want to point out now that I, re- I realize he was not the only monarch that did so. He just stuck out in my mind at the time as one of the kings of Scotland who had done that. So the Stuarts come north into into England with the Norman invasion under William the Conqueror or William the Bastard, depending on what your viewpoint is there. And then later on, they push north into Scotland, and they actually get a very very valuable position there. Their founding ancestor, Walter Fitzallen, becomes the high steward of all of Scotland. If you want to know what that meant, you could probably find a good Wikipedia article. That's not my intent today, is to go into the origins of the Stuarts. I want to get to the fun story. I'm just trying to give you some high points of their origins. And so, because the this man was the high steward, and they came to occupy that position in successive generations, and they were very close in that position to the royal family. In fact, they ended up marrying into the royal family, and that's how they put their, themselves in the position to become the occupants of the throne themselves. 
Now another thing that's interesting about the Stuart clan is that they had branches of them that were both Highland and Lowland. The branch of the clan that becomes the the ruling dynasty of Scotland, obviously that's a that's a Lowland thing. However, there were branches of the clan that that settled up in the Highlands. And today we're going to focus on one of those branches, the Highland branches, and the branch we're going to talk about today is the Stuarts of Appin. What you had is they were descended from John of Bonkill, and one of these descendants marries an heiress of the Lords of Lorne. Now, up until this time, it was the MacDougals who had been the Lords of Lorne, but they ran out of male heirs. The heiress ends up marrying in marrying one of these Stuarts, and now a branch of the Stuarts become the Lorne's Lords of Lorne. Now, Lorne is a it, it, once again I've mentioned this in previous episodes. It's super helpful if you're listening to this with a map of Scotland in front of you. The Lorne, the district of Lorne, what's what's known as Lorne, is in the Western Highlands. It's in northwest Argyll, Argyll being a, like a, a bigger area, Lorne forming part of that area. And like I said, it was the MacDougals who had held that originally. The MacDougals were one of the clans that descend from Summerled, or Sorla in Gaelic. They were originally the, the senior branch and the most powerful of the three. The other two um, clans that came from Summerled, you might be familiar with one of them, the other one, maybe not. The McRory's, they, they, their male line ended, and a lot of their territory ended up going to the McDonald's. The McDonald's were not the senior line of the clans from Summerled. The McDougal's were, but they sided with Robert the Bruce, and that was the winning side. The McDougal's were closely related to the, they'd, the, the Cummins were their, their in-laws. And so they naturally sided with them. If you recall Scottish history, Robert the Bruce murders his his contender for the throne, who was a Cummin, happened to be the brother-in-law of the MacDougall chief. And so the MacDougalls hate Robert the Bruce now. And so they came out of that whole situation. For those of you who aren't really familiar with Scottish history, Robert the Bruce is the one who wins against all the other competitors for the throne. And then he remembers those who sided against him, and he he takes it to him. And so the McDougals, they lose big in this. Now, they don't lose everything. They don't cease to be a clan, and they don't lose all of their territory. They hold out in Lorne, and, and they don't that doesn't pass out of their family until, like I said before, the male line ends, and the Stuarts marry, marry in and, and inherit the lordship of Lorne. Okay, so this branch of the Stuarts, I, what I'm going to do to to tell you the story is I'm going to go to electricscotland.com. Now, if you listen to the episode on the sources, and, and I talked about different places we go to learn about the clans, and I gave kind of a brief rundown of each one of those, if you heard that, you'll remember that electricscotland.com was one of my early sources when I started to use the internet to research this, and I was just a teenager at the time. Electric Scotland was probably the first major website that I started going to and to this day they they probably offer more information than most of the other online sources about clan histories 
I've, I've really enjoyed this site. There's a lot of information in here. And so that's where I'm going to go to. I'm going to read from this. Now, it's, it, I'm just going to read it, and it'll become obvious that it is a McDougal that is telling the story. As with a lot of articles on electricscotland.com, at the bottom of the article, it does mention different websites that you can go to learn this. And so I'll just refer you to electricscotland.com if you want to study further. You can scroll down to the bottom of the article on the, stu- the, the, the headline of this particular page is the Appen Stewarts. And so if you just Google that and then choose the, the link that takes you to electricscotland.com, you'll find what I'm reading. And if you just scroll to the bottom, you'll be able to see different links to other websites where this site is taking information from. Okay, so let's, let's get into the story. This, is, this story doesn't just tell us about the Stuarts of Appen. There's other clans that come into this, and as you saw, the title of this episode is The Stuarts of Appen versus The Rest of Argyle, because there's so many clans that play into this. Now, they weren't against everybody. The McLarens were, turned out to be a loyal ally to the Stuarts of Appen here. And it's just interesting. I find this this branch of the Stuart clan fascinating because they would have just they would have just assimilated into the culture of the Western Highlands. Their their chiefs and their clansmen would have been Gaelic speakers. Now they did operate on the broader scale that was Scotland. They were loyal um, in in all the conflicts that you have regarding like the the War of the Three Kingdoms the later Jacobite rebellions, they're loyal to the Stuart house, they're distant cousins, and and they are, I don't know, I just, I just find this is an, the Stuarts are an interesting lot in their variety, and the different places they settled, and they're different, they take on different characters of their own, these different branches of the Stuarts. So let me just start telling you this story here, you'll see a lot of other clans come to play in this. Tradition tells us that in 1445, while returning to his seat at Dunstaffnage Castle from the great cattle tryst at Creef, Sir John met and fell in love with the daughter of McLaren of Ardvech. Although married, he began an affair with his, the, his new love, which one year later produced a son. He was christened Dugald and was to be the first chief of the Stuarts of Appen. After the death of his first wife, Sir John waited, for reasons we are unaware of today, for five years until setting up the marriage between himself and Dougald's mother, but it may have had something to do with the politics of the day. In 1463, Sir John set a wedding date and sent for Dougald and his mother to come to Dunstaffnage. Unknown to Sir John, there is a plot to kill the Lord of Lorne. It is not fully known but is thought to have been set up by the Lord of the Isles, who was in a power struggle with the King of Scots, and who saw it as being in his best interest to neutralize this powerful and loyal representative of the King in the West Highlands. The other plotters, which some feel included Colin Campbell, Lord Lord Argyle, Sir John's son-in-law, were primarily represented by Alan McCool, the illegitimate grandson of an earlier MacDougall chief. Now, let me pause in the reading right quick here. McCool MacDougall. I'm not going to go into the, the rules of the Gaelic language, 
I'm familiar with them, but not a, not a master of them. But I do know that the Mac, you, a lot of you are familiar with this, the Mac means son of. So we're showing possessive, which makes it the, the genitive case when you're breaking down grammar. So when you have Gallic words that are in the genitive case, when they're showing possessive of some sort, then you have this H that slips in next to the first consonant. And I, I, I probably mentioned this before. So with McDougal, an H slips in next to the, to the D because it's son of Dougal. You're showing possession. It's Dougal's possession. So son of Dougal, you have that H that drops next to the D and it makes a guttural G sound like a R. Now, and also the G in the middle of Dougal has an H drop next to it. Now a G, when you get that H next to it, it negates the G and you don't even really pronounce it much. So, and once again, feel free to correct me on this, but what, what all this means is that MacDougal, when you pronounce it in Gaelic, actually sounds like Macool. That's just how it rolls. So it says, I'm going to go back and read that again. The plotters, the, the other plotters, which some feel included, Colin Campbell, Lord Argyle, Sir John's son-in-law, were primarily represented by Alan McCool, the illegitimate grandson of an earlier McDougal chief. So these are, what I'm saying here is these are not separate surnames. McCool and McDougal, same group of people. Okay, let me start reading again. As the lightly armed wedding party made its way from Dunstaffnage, so that's the castle, to the small chapel located approximately 180 yards from the castle walls. They were attacked by a superior force led by Alan McCool. Ladies and gentlemen, they only had to make it 180 yards from the castle to the chapel. And in that small space, they were ambushed by this force led by McCool. As the lightly armed wedding party made its way from Dunstaffnage to the small chapel located approximately 180 yards from the castle walls, they were attacked by a superior force led by Alan McCool. Although better armed, McCool's force was defeated, but not before mortally wounding Lord of Lorne. Sir John was rushed into the chapel, and McCool and his henchmen ran into and occupied the, des the deserted Dunstaffnage. With his last breath, Sir John married Dugald's mother, legitimizing him and making him the du jour lord of Lorne. After receiving the last rites, Sir John expired and a new chapter in West Highland history was opened. Okay. <clears throat> so, I'm going to pause once again. They make it to the chapel. His dying breath, he, the marriage is legitimate, and this is his legitimate son, and he occupies the legitimate position of Lord of Lorne, and now you're dealing with a different ball game. What's going to happen with this, with these people who try to prevent this? The story continues. Dugald gathered all the adhe adherents of the Lord of Lorne, and with the assistance of the McLarens, laid siege to Dunstaffnage, but to no avail. Unbeknownst to Dugald, Colin Campbell, Lord Argyle, who seemed to have been involved in the plot, raised a group of MacFarlands to aid McCool in his struggle against the Dujur Lord of Lorne. McCool's men with the MacFarlands met the men of Lorne and MacLaren 
in what was to be known as the Battle of Lekadoha. It was a fierce battle, with both sides leaving the field with very heavy losses. For the next few years, Dugald, who had lost the title of Lord of Lorne through the treachery of his uncle Walter Stuart and Lord Argyle, but had retained Appin and Lismore, consolidated his power and fortified the hunting lodge of Castle Stalker on the Cormorant's Rock in Loch Leich. He also ensured that the Campbells were in no doubt about his displeasure over the loss of the Lordship of Lorne by having the Campbell territory surrounding Appin regularly raided by our clan. Once again, you can tell whoever's here, he's speaking in the first person plural, so probably a steward of Appin. Finally, in 1468, in a bid to finally destroy the power of Appin, Colin Campbell and Walter Stewart, now recognized as the Lord of Lorne, but with no authority in Lorne, organized a massive raid against Dugald and our clan. Alan McCool was again involved, and they met at what was to be known as the Battle of Stalk. Though losing many men, Dugald virtually destroyed the military strength of the McFarlands, a destruction they were never to recover from, and personally killed Alan McCool, his father's murderer. The battle solidified Dugald's claim to Appen and the surrounding area, which was formally granted to him by King James III on the 14th of April of 1470. All right, so I'm going to stop reading right there. <clears throat> goes on to talk more about the Stuarts of Appen. I just want to tell you that story. I just found this story fascinating. Okay, so you have this, this gentleman who's on his way back from a cattle tryst from Creef. He meets... And I don't know if he's already friends with the McLaren chief in Ardvech, but he meets his daughter, falls in love with her. Now, look, I'm so this is my time where I comment, uh, provide commentary on this story. I'm not a big fan of adultery. In fact, in my worldview, it's a pretty big sin. However, one thing that one of my one of my college professors at Utah State University wisely instructed us very early on in my collegiate experience. He said, do not judge people in the past by your own set of standards. And some of you may say, well, weren't they Christian? Isn't it the same set of Christian standards? Don't commit adultery. It's not belonging to one specific Christian faith. They had the same set of rules. You know what? I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, at this time period, if you're in the aristocracy, how do you decide who you marry? You meet some gal at the cattle tryst or at your clan's party or on the road somewhere and you fall in love? I don't really don't think that's how it worked for the, these higher up levels of society. I, these people, my understanding is they're most of the time marrying strategically. They're thinking about what's, what's in it for the clan, what's in it for this, the immediate family. How do we set future success, uh, generations up for success here? And, and I, I don't really know that it hadn't, so I don't know what, what was the relationship like. What would that be like? What would that be like if you had less than total say on who you married? And I know that, that the, this is common throughout different phases of the world and, and all over the world. But can you imagine being married to somebody you, you don't love and maybe you don't even like them? And here, then, then you're traveling and you meet somebody that you, you find attractive, both 
personally and physically and all these different and he doesn't say what he liked about her but he he falls in love with this mclaren gal okay so there's he but he can't do anything i mean he's having an affair and their son they beget a son from this affair and i i'm gonna give john the benefit of the doubt that he didn't have anything to do with the death of his first wife because i don't have anything that would suggest that he waits five years, and then he sets up this marriage. And it just fascinates me that they have to make it 180 yards from the castle to the chapel. And and they're not well-armed. This reminds me of actually the previous episode. We talked about the Camerons being ambushed while they were at church, speaking of places that you're not expecting a fight. And here they are working on a marriage and lightly armed, but still do well for themselves. They weren't expecting it. They're not as well armed as their attackers. I can bet that. And they still, they still fight their way to the chapel. The marriage is performed. And then Dugald says, okay, it's my turn now. Turns around and anyway. And and another thing that's fascinating about this is the is the involvement of the McFarlands. Now, that's another thing I wanted to get to. The McFarlands, who, if you go back to the earlier episodes, the very first episodes, especially the introduction. My, dis, um, my, the fact that I'm a descendant from McFarland's makes me personally interested in that clan. In fact, that's how learning about my McFarland ancestors, which my great-great-grandmother was a McFarland that came over from Scotland. I'm not going to go way into that history, but it's, they have, I have a book that's dedicated to her parents. And in this book, to give you some cultural background about who the McFarlands were, it, it tells you all about them. And so I see the McFarlands pop up in here. And the interesting thing is, if you go and do a Google search for the McFarland clan, and you come up with a number of different sources, you don't see this story in their clan history. But you'd think something that provided the complete as this as this story claims here where I'm going to say it has it said here their defeat by Dugald they're on the losing side it was a destruction they were to never recover from and that's interesting so first of all it's interesting that they have a major part in this story the second thing that's interesting here is that claim they never recovered from I'm here to tell you that that's not true and, and I'm not telling you that as a descendant of McFarland's. I'm just telling you that as a guy who studied the different clans and their histories. The McFarland's were, were repeatedly guilty of raiding Calhoun territory to their south. And that is what you will find when you look up histories of the McFarland online through different sources. Wikipedia, Electric Scotland here, um, Scott clans, whatever those different sources on online that you go to to learn about clan histories, you will find that they they were they repeatedly raided Calhoun territory and and laid waste and stole cattle and and whatever they did. And it was after this 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 happens in the fourteen the mid to late fourteen hundreds. And that's to say that that they never recovered from the destruction of this loss being a losing side here that's just not even true it couldn't be true because they are very militarily active later on 
And in fact, if you want a, a little highlight from, from this little branch, I know I'm going off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but I think I'm staying true to the nature of the podcast. The, the battle, if you're going to learn about the McGregors, and everybody knows, that's when you do a study on the McGregors, that's the first thing you're going to learn is they were outlawed. If you, if you meet a McGregor, not even over in Scotland, here in America, and they know anything about their history, they're going to say, yeah, we were, we were outlawed. You couldn't even have, okay, so it drops you right in there. Well, the battle that they took part in, which is the Battle of Glenfruin, which was the straw that broke the camel's back, and the one that was the catalyst for their being outlawed, proscribed, I believe is the technical term, the their involvement in the Battle of Glenfruin, they'd just a, just a short background on that. They had got the the the, the, uh, the intel that a force of Calhouns was were were moving toward them against them. Now I don't know if the McGregors knew that they were on government orders or not, but I don't know if that would have made a ton of difference when you know that people are are marching to you against you. Well, because they got the drop on them, they they were able to ambush the Calhouns and and it did not go well for the Calhouns as you could imagine. Now here's the reason I know that this battle against the Stuarts of Appen that the McFarlanes were on the losing side of did not permanently cripple them militarily is because in that battle of Glenfruin there was a sizable contingent of the McGregor's allies across Loch Lomond, the McFarlanes. They were there. They were part of that. They assisted the McGregors in laying scunion on the Calhouns. Now, hey, look, I'm not saying that with a ton of pride on the Calhouns. I did a little research, and I got farther back into my family tree, and I'm talking a little ways back there now. And I also have Calhoun ancestors. So I'm just saying they were there. They were there fighting. They were still militarily capable. And not only were they there at that time, but if you just go back into the earlier into the 1500s, the Battle of Glenfruin happened in the really early 1600s. I don't have the exact date on the top of my head. It's like 1602 or three or four, something like that. But the uh, the McFarlands had previously raided into Calhoun territory to, previous to the Battle of Glenfruin, so we know that their military strength was not permanently crippled by being involved against the Stuarts of Appen. That might have been a little bit of pride talking there. I just find that story fascinating, and I wanted to share it with you. And that's that's really all I got. Please let me know what you think about that story. Let me think, were there other parts of that story that you thought were significant that I should have zoomed in on a little bit more? I took two different parts of that story, covered what I thought was interesting, and I'm interested to hear your comments on that. So once again, go to the Scottish clan Facebook page where I'm creating this place for us to have this conversation. And as a reminder, you can get there through facebook.com slash clans of Scotland. Sorry, slash Scottish clans was already taken. So slash clans of Scotland. And, and let me know what you think about that. Another thing, another couple things I'd love it if you would do is look, I'm, I'm not monetizing this podcast yet. I do have plans in the future, which still doesn't mean that you can still be able to listen to it for free, I'm, but I'm not going to try to get you to donate or anything or, or do anything like that yet. But if you think that I'm providing value to those of you who are passionate about the Scottish clans, here's how you could pay me back. If you're on iTunes, please subscribe 
to this podcast and leave a review as high as you can be honest about it. And another another thing I'd like you to do on that is to share. There is a share option. It's the same symbol that you do use for everything else elect, uh, internet-based. Please share the podcast. And whether you share it by touching the share button on the, pod, on the iTunes or by telling your friends about it, I'd love it if you just pass the word on that this is going on, if you know anybody that you think would be interested. Also, on Spotify, which we're also on, it's a little bit different than iTunes. Go on Spotify, and if you're, you find this podcast, you just click the little heart. That's how you like this podcast. And then they also have a share option, which is the same symbol. And you can share it with people. You can send it to their text or their email or share it on Facebook. Or please feel free to just use the word of mouth, like actually talking to people. And if you have friends that you know would be interested in, say, hey, I found this podcast. It's got some stuff in it you might like. If you could do that stuff. Once again, I'm on Google Play too, but I have really tried Google Play and I am not figuring that out. So maybe there's another thing that you could uh, you'd help me out with. I'm on my menus option on Google Play on my iPhone. It does not have the option to go. And I keep on searching for podcasts and it comes up with videos and songs. And that's the best I can do. I have not figured out how to get to podca- podcasts yet on Google Play. But it is on there. My podcast is on there. I've submitted it. They sent me a message back saying, hey, we've accepted it. And so I, my all my Podbean feeds should be feeding into both Google or all of Google Play, Spotify, and iTunes. But whatever version of it is on there, subscribe, like, whatever it is. If you'll do that, share it, and send it on. That would be awesome. Um, one thing that I'd like to add here toward the end of this podcast is the next episode, kind of like a little trailer for that. Um, I'm, I believe what I'm going to do on this next pod, on this next episode is I'm going to talk about what is a Scottish clan. As I was doing my master's thesis on this, I noticed that some clan histories sounded a little bit different than others. And I was like, were these other guys even clans? And I, it, it led me down this huge rabbit hole of study, but I actually found answers. I found answers from very scholarly, credible sources. So, if you, if you're interested on like, was your were your ancestors really a clan? Were they were they lowlanders and were they more like an English aristocratic family? Because if you if you do if you search for whatever clan it was, you're gonna come up with a Wikipedia page that surely makes it look like a clan. Was it really a clan? That's what I'm going to seek to answer. Um, some things that I've discovered there on the next podcast, as well as maybe share with you another cool story. And maybe I'll make that a, a goal of mine. Every time I share you with something, share with you something that's a little bit more on the academic side, and maybe not as interesting, interested to people who aren't on a scholarly level interested in this. Maybe I'll always, I'll always try to throw in a story that's cool. I just read one earlier today about the Gordons versus the Forbes. These are lowland kindreds, predominantly, and they had some interesting history between each other. So maybe I'll share that next time. So we covered the story of the the Stuarts of Appen. We saw the Stuarts of Appen in there, but we also saw the McLarens involved. Some Campbell and McDonald Lord of the Isle stuff going on behind the scenes, as well as the McFarlands were in there too. So 
Hopefully you saw something in this episode that you liked. And I hope that you'll join me in the next episode. Have a great day.